and super grateful for just everything that I have and everything that is going right in my life. Um, and so I just, um, I want you guys to kind of look at the things that are going right and um, be grateful and, and, and lift um, gratitude to the Lord um, because things could be much worse. And so um, also this week, I've been um, in a theme along with um, Pastor Dave and Tyler and just the whole theme of rest and finding peace in being still. And so my um, devotion and meditation this week has had a, a mantra or a theme, if you will, of just be still and know that I am God. And that is so hard to do because we feel like if I just do this one thing, then, you know, I can make something, something happen. But God really just wants us to trust and be still and know that he is in control and that he is God. And so as I pray over you um, this morning, please lift up gratitude and find and make a choice of, of rest and surrender before God. Um, dear God, as we come to you this morning, I'm just so grateful and thankful um, that I was able to see the beautiful sunrise this morning and um, witness the majesty of your creation. And um, Lord, as we continue in worship, Lord, please, we open our hearts and our ears and our minds and our spirits to hear from you and to listen and to make a choice, dear God, to be still and know that you are our God. Thank you. Amen. Just a word And suddenly I'm not afraid Cause when you speak Freedom rests And there is hope In every single word you say
understand me you understand me and come to me in the valley of unknowns you understand me you understand me and you understand me God you understand so I throw
have a seat. My name is Randall. This is baby Joe. She's three months old and she's more interested in the green things than you guys. I'm so sorry. Well, I'm giving a, our tithe and encouragement today and today I just wanted to focus on this idea of process versus product, right? So um, the idea of what's more important, the journey, journey church, dad joke, yes, yes or the destination, the journey versus the destination. Uh, and I would read a scripture, but instead I'm just going to tell you about it. We'll set it up. People are at church and there's some wealthy folks that are at church. And then there's a widow who's at church. The wealthy folks are able to give a massive amount of money and the widow, she doesn't have much. She's very, very poor. And all she can scrape together is just a few copper coins, pennies, nickels, she puts that in the tithe offering. She's really embarrassed about it. But Jesus sees this and he says, look, be like the widow. Be like the one who gives everything they have when they know they can't really scrape much together. Don't be like those who just give 100% out of their wealth where it doesn't actually sacrifice anything, where it doesn't actually impact them. Be like the one who has to sacrifice in their giving. And it's the idea that when we give, are we saying, you know what? I'm putting my trust and faith on these coins and on this money, or am I putting my trust and faith in God? Because God's not after the money. The dollar amount doesn't actually matter to God, right? He's the one that created money, so he doesn't need it. God's after our hearts. And our hearts, we've got to protect them. We've got to put guardrails around them. And one of the ways that we can do that is by creating space where we say, I am not reliant on money. I'm not reliant on my plans with my finances, but I'm going to put my faith in God. And you might be able to do that. Maybe it's every time you get a paycheck, you, you tithe a little bit out of it. Maybe it's once a month, once a month, whatever it is, but you're saying, you know what, God, I might not have much. Maybe it's $10 or $20, but I'm going to put this in and I'm going to put my faith in you because I want my heart to stay focused on you. I don't want my heart to float away towards material things. Isn't that right, Joe? Isn't that right? 
Well, hey, as the ushers come forward this morning, there's three ways we can give. The first and the easiest is to just drop something in the buckets that they're going to be passing through. Second way is you can go online, avjourney.com. There's a link to be able to, a link to give there. And then lastly, you can text mobile, give to 661-441-3511. It's a fancy system. You can set up recurrent gifts if you want. You can give just one time, whatever you'd like to do. But bow your heads with me as we bless the offering today. Dear Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for a space where we're able to come together and be together to worship and learn about you. I'd ask that you would bless this tithe that we collect this morning. Let the church use it for your will. Let us use it to have impact in our community. Just ask that you would bless those who are here today. Let your presence be known to them and walk with them through the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, as Ashley, as mom joins us on stage, if you're a fifth or a sixth grader, you are dismissed. You can head out the back doors, meet your group leaders. Thanks for being with us for worship today, and we're going to do some announcements. Yeah, perfect. Gang's all here. Um, so we want to start off by telling you about Connect Night. It's coming up this Wednesday. You've probably heard us talking about our Wednesday night Connect events for a couple of months now. And they really are a wonderful way to just pause in the middle of the week and learn about God and focus on your relationship with Him. And so we really hope you'll join us this Wednesday. Um, it's going to be in this building from 6.30 to 8. Child care is provided for infants all the way up through 6th grade. And speaking of that, if you're a J-Kids volunteer and you think you might be able to help out on Wednesdays, we could definitely use some help this week and in future weeks. So if that sounds like something you might be available for, please come see us at the hotspot after service. Yep. And Crash is also going to be meeting on Wednesday. So this is for our 7th through 12th graders. They're going to be hanging out in the other building starting at 6 o'clock. Their programming is also going to run until 8 p.m. So it's really intended to be an event for the whole family. We'll be there. We hope that we see you there. Second, if you signed up to be a volunteer last week by filling out one of those volunteer cards, thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate it. It takes a village to make this thing work. Uh, if you were thinking about signing up or if you missed service last week and you still want to sign up to help us out, we can definitely get you connected with the different service teams that we have. All you got to do, come visit us at the hotspot. And speaking of serving, we want you to go ahead and mark your calendar for Friday, December 6th. That's when we're going to be hosting our Christmas Chill, which is an annual Christmas party that we throw for teens in the foster care system. Um, this is an event that we look forward to every year. It's a cause that's near and dear to our hearts. And there are going to be several ways that you can get involved if, if you'd like to be a part. One of those would be volunteering your time. Whether it's setting up, being at the event itself, or cleaning up, there's a lot of hands and support needed to make an event of this size successful. The other way would be through donations. So if you haven't been to Christmas Chill before, we are trying to give away as much as possible. There's a big raffle on stage, there's games with prizes. Every kid that comes walks away with a great goodie bag. And the only way that we're able to kind of spoil kids through this event is through generous donations from folks like you. So if you're looking to donate your time or a gift, we would love to see you come to the hotspot either today or any Sunday up until December 6th. Uh, you can pick up a list of items we're requesting or go ahead and sign up as a volunteer. If you don't make it to the hotspot, then just make sure you're checking your inbox for that November newsletter. We'll have more information in there as well. And the last thing is if you're a guest here at Journey Church, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited that you're here. We'd love a chance to meet you. And we also have a gift. We'd like to treat you to something from our Collective coffee shop out there. Just swing by the hotspot. We'd like to say hello and get a chance to know you just a little bit more. That's all we have. Anything else? Nothing? Not yet? All right. That's all we got for you today. Stand up, say hello to somebody around you. We'll get ready for our service. Thanks.
good morning, everybody. I'm Dave, one of the pastors, and uh, we're going to get rolling so you can grab a seat. Make sure if you uh, get to meet somebody this morning or if there's somebody you haven't seen in a while that you kind of spend a little time afterwards. This all works better if you are in relationship and if you haven't had a chance to go maybe have lunch with somebody in a while. Get little groups. It's awkward if you just go one-on-one maybe sometimes for some of you, but just invite two or three people around or somebody you know and somebody new and uh, have lunch together. There's only a few ways that you really connect around here, and one is that you get intentional about it. You get to know somebody, and then come to Wednesdays because we'll help you. But today, I'm uh, bringing to a close our series, The Way. I thought it was last week, but honestly, I, I just wanted to come back to this one thought that just was really one of the motivations behind Journey Church from the beginning of my time here. Plus, it's, one of, it's probably the reason why I went into vocational ministry, why I decided I was going to do this for a living. And um, this today is the way we talk about what Jesus came to offer. Because what we've been saying is that Jesus came not to bring religion. He didn't come to bring another political system or a different vantage point on God. Jesus came to bring us back to God. The whole world is broken. The whole world is in chaos. The Bible talks about it. There's a curse from our sin and this kind of our, our putting God at a distance and saying, we'll be in charge. We'll take care of ourselves. We basically, we basically are in a disconnected state before Jesus. And Jesus said, I want to come and bring you back to God. I want to show you the way that God always meant for you to live. I'm going to live for you the example of what a person who is fully alive looks like. A person who's fully alive and connected to, to God. A person who's fully alive and connected to the people in his world. I want to bring the kingdom of heaven. And that's that place where God has his way. I'm, I want to bring the reign of God back to the world. It's going to begin. The renewal of all things has begun, Jesus said. And with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he launched the renewal of God's creation. It started there, and it continues. One day, we, we know at the great day of judgment and the great renewal, there'll be a culmination of it all where the kingdom of heaven comes fully in the world. But right now, we have, we have, you and I, followers of Jesus, have the reins and are guiding this work of the kingdom on the earth. We have been stewarded with the responsibility of bringing Jesus' life and Jesus' ways of living to the world. I don't want you to misunderstand what you're called to. You're not called to come to church services and hear sermons and do this and put money in offerings. Those things can happen, but that's not the point. The point is for you to become alive in Jesus and to be filled up so much with His presence, His love, His Spirit, that you literally go and explode in all the world with this way of living. And this is the most incredible good news. That's why Jesus said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to bring you life, life to the fullest. And what we've learned is, in the last several weeks that we actually become a part of Jesus' life by putting our faith in Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me. So Jesus defined Himself as not another faith system, another religion, another perspective. He said, I am the only way to return to life in God, both eternal and personal, right now. 
And he just basically said, here's what I want to do. I want to I put you directly in touch with God through me, because I'm God, and I want to just flow through you, bring life to you. Vine and branches kind of stuff. That is what we're talking about. And I've been doing this rediscovering as the last number of months as I'm re, just kind of renewing my passion and my love for why I got into this in the first place. You see, I didn't get into this because of the money or the prestige or because I like to speak in front of people. I would have liked the money and the prestige in some other categories, but I don't really like talking in front of people, to be honest. But this is the thing. I didn't get into it for any reason like that. I got into this because, honestly, my heart caught fire when I came into relationship with Jesus, and I wanted everybody to have this experience. That's the reason I do this. It has nothing to do with any other reason other than I literally believe this is the best way to live and I want to share it with as many people as I can. And I want it to be just like catching, like almost, it, it's almost like you get caught like a bug that you would get, right? I, I mean, I want it to be infectious kind of catching to where your life is so beautiful and explosive that others around you are like, how do I get in on that? You see, because I've discovered again, the church the, the gathering of followers that Jesus left behind. The church was not about buildings. It was not about programs. It wasn't about sitting in rows, listening to sermons. The church was launched as a movement of people getting connected to Jesus and sharing that connection with others. Falling in love with God and what His plan was for them all along. Living in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the kind of world I'd like to live in. Well, I don't have to worry about having 15 keys on. I've got three key rings I'm carrying today alone just because the world can't be trusted. I want to live in a world that is like Jesus so much so that it's not something you have to worry about somebody taking your stuff. It's, it's just more about like how much stuff can I give away? How much do I need really? And how much can I be a blessing? The church was meant to be ground zero of God's brand new work in the world, of his renewal effort where he's renewing all things. It, the church was the place. We were the stewards of the power and presence of God on earth. We, we are the temple of God, not some building. That's why the sacrificial system was all done away with in Jesus. We don't have to go to the temple and bring a lamb, a goat, or a pigeon. We actually come and celebrate wherever we are because we are continually the church, the people of God. And if we were to say in the first century to somebody, they were to say, you know, if you were to say, what church do you go to? A first century follower of Jesus would just look at you like, huh? Go to? Oh, do you mean what community of faith am I a part of? No, what, what church do you go to? Is it down First Baptist on, you know, 10th? And, is it down? They wouldn't have any reference for that because the church to them was not a building. As a matter of fact, buildings didn't even exist for the first 300 years of the movement of Jesus. They didn't have organized facilities in places like this. They wouldn't associate themselves with, with a building. Oh, I go to that church. No, you either are a part of the local work of God, or, and that's called the church, or you weren't. There wasn't, what church do you go to? No, you are the church. Whatever building you gather in is incidental. You are the, you are the church, the universal work of God in the world. And if we get this right, if we understand we are ground zero for God's redemptive work on earth, if we understand this, we steward this well, 
There is nothing like the local church when the church is getting this right. And that's why Jesus, his, his whole plan, his plan to change the world is remarkable. Think about it. When Jesus left, when he put in his three years of ministry, went to the cross, paid for sins for all who would believe, he went back, he was raised from the dead, went back to heaven. What did he leave behind for this incredible work, the most important thing in the world? What did he leave behind? He didn't leave financial resources. D Jesus didn't leave a big bank account for them to go and say, oh, you're going to plant churches, so here's a huge chunk of money. I made it, so here, let's give you some of it. He didn't. He didn't leave a big infrastructure. He did not leave budgets or buildings or clout or an org chart. Or he didn't even leave conferences or conventions for people to go and get convinced of this and get inspired about it. He didn't leave any of the things that we think are crucial to launching a great business work or new thing. What Jesus left, what Jesus staked his entire world-changing movement on, guess what Jesus left behind? His small group. Twelve guys and their associates and friends. That's it. Jesus invested everything, the resources of heaven, in a group of about 12 people and their friends and associates. He invested all that was needed to change the world, to begin the renewal of all things in these people by the kingdom, by putting in 12 ordinary people, his circle of friends. And 2,000 years later, we sit in a building today celebrating and worshiping that God with another 2 billion plus people on the planet. Why? Because he knew what he was doing. We talk about following Jesus. And we talk about what it means to walk in the ways of God and to step into the way that Jesus offered. This is what we're talking about. <clears throat> you see, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus' first step was to establish a community. A group of people that he would do life with and he would, he would basically pour into. And then throughout his time, his whole ministry, he modeled for them on the nature of life in this new kind of world that God was bringing. <clears throat> and what we find is one time somebody asked him, well, Jesus, you, you talk different from any of our other teachers. You're, you're different than the prophets that we have recorded. You're different from the other rabbis. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so in your perspective, from, from what you're saying, what does God want? The other rabbis all have what they think is God's most important commandments. What, what would you say is the most important thing? I mean, if we're going to be right with God and please God and do all... Well, what does that look like? What does God want from it more than anything else? And here's what he said in Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. The most important commandment is this. Love. Pause right there. The most important commandment. The most important is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Get rightly connected to God the Father in such a way that your life begins to orbit around God and His plans for you, His, His call on your life and, and the way He taught you to live and the ways that He's called to set you free and make you a difference maker. In our, get your life anchored to that. Let your affection be primarily Him and His kingdom. Let, let your first and foremost thought about what life looks like be what his thoughts about life were be like that be in love with god start with loving god with all your being then the second is this love your neighbor as yourself there is 
no greater command than these. And that's why Journey Church was basically founded on these principles of love God, love others, and serve our world. This is Jesus' command. This is what God is all about in the world. And Jesus said, understand God in light of these two commands. What God wants most from you is love Him. And then love the people that He made. Love the people in your world like you love yourself. I mean, care for them like you care for yourself. Treat them like you treat yourself. Forgive them like you forgive yourself, only more and better. And nobody had ever seen love like this. Nobody had ever talked about God loving the world. They were associated with a religion of God judging the world, God correcting the world, God blasting the world or whatever. That's kind of why they formed their religious system around keeping everybody in line. They drew really big lines, 600 plus rules that they had come up with. It's just like, this is how we follow God. All these commands are the ways that you make God happy and you are right with God. And they said, so Jesus, what do you think is the most important of all those? This is it. Nobody had ever heard these things. He set a brand new standard. And it, by the way, now this did not mean that Jesus was always going to be easy to get along with. When he said love is God's new plan, love is the way God wants to be understood, love is what God wants from you and out, you know, for you, that doesn't mean when Jesus came to establish a new way of loving, that doesn't mean that Jesus was always easy when he loved. He loved. He loved like nobody had ever seen before. But sometimes, precisely because he loved, Jesus would get right up in their faces. He would get right into their business. He would get right up into their bank accounts and into their moral lives, into their relational lives. Jesus would speak out on things that were just really, really personal and challenge them. Sometimes they wish that Jesus didn't love them quite so much. But love can hurt when somebody loves you so much. They're willing to risk relationship by telling you what you need to know in order to take your next step to a better life with God. But they knew. When they were with Jesus, they experienced love and a connection with heaven that they had never experienced before. He was the most loving man they'd ever seen. And the way he lived, he literally died for love. Now, just before he died, um, he gathered his friends together. And in John 13, 34, he, he tells them this. He goes, listen, guys, you've heard all that I've said. Now, now here's this. Here's a new command. A new commandment I give you. And in first century rabbinical world, if a rabbi said, I'm going to give you a command. In other words, he's saying, I'm giving you, I'm adding to Torah. I'm adding to the commands of God. Their ears would go up because only God gives commands. Rabbis give interpretation of God's commands. Only God can give commands. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a command. In other words, hey, guess what? I'm God. Let me tell you what it's all about again. A new command I give you. Very important. The heart of all of God's plan in the world is this. Love one another. Well, of course, that wasn't new at all. That's what you've been saying all along. That's, that's perhaps one of the oldest. It goes all the way back to the beginning of God's plan and the words that he, we find in, in Torah. But Jesus said this. this. Here's the Jesus factor. Here's the twist. Love one another as I have loved you. With a love that's so deep, it's kind of scary. One that never stops, no matter what. It costs a lot to love like this. Love the same way I've loved you. Go love the world. As I have loved you, so you must, must 
must. This is not a suggestion. This is how we're to live. You must love one another. If you want to follow Jesus in his way, folks, this is the primary thing. You need to hear this. You must love one another. By, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And you know what? In my church, we grew up with these evangelism programs. Which evangelism basically meant go tell people about Jesus even if you don't want to. And, and make those uncomfortable conversations where you say, knock on the door and say, like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And they're like, no, you know, like knock again. But, but please, you know, you've got to hear what I have to say. And it's really some, somewhat awkward. We, we went through all these seasons where, can I tell you what Jesus said, the best witness of all? Love so much by, by this, by your love, people will know you're my disciples. Live such good lives among the pagans that, that they come to you for the advice on how to live. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Because an answer, in other words, somebody's asking the question. He's saying the natural outflow of life is when people come and see your life and want more of it. Because your life is anchored in this. Love. Jesus, he, he told those 12, I want you to do the most loving community in the world. So what did Jesus' love look like? How was it different? I mean, he talks in the scriptures that we, we learn about the different kinds of love. There's phileo. There's, you know, anyway, we learn that there's these different types of love. And Jesus introduced this kind of love called agape. Agape was not romantic love. It wasn't friendship love. Agape was a soul stirring, I give you all that I have. I'm committed to you no matter what kind of love. And he's saying that God was introducing this love, that that was the God kind of love. And so Jesus is saying, love like I do. Love from that agape heart. Now one experience maybe gives us a little reference for how Jesus loved. It's found in Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> it's one of those things that can only be described as kind of awkward. And I'm going to read it. It's not on the screens. Basically, here's what we learn. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's home. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. I love this story. And I love it for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons I love it is because here is the prime and the premier religious leader of the day. And if you were in the Jewish religious world, you would know that there are lines that you draw that you keep yourself separate from any defiling person or sin. Something that would keep you from celebrating at the temple. Something that would keep you from enjoying the festivals or going into the point of sacrifice and having your sins cleansed. You wouldn't do anything to compromise those experiences and you didn't want to get near anybody who had done so. So they drew these lines and they, they put the inside crowd and the outside crowd according to certain behaviors and things that they did or didn't do. And it's all right from Scripture for the most part, and plus whatever, if the line was drawn here, this is what God's command was, then they'd give you another 25 or 30 laws, so you stayed back here. 
And they added all this to the world. And basically, so we find this world that's it's kind of a stratified of different varying moralities. Well, here we find a religious leader who does not like the way Jesus is defining God's love. And he's redefining the words that God spoke in the Old Covenant as being much more loving and much more drawing and inclusive than what they had interpreted to be. They didn't like the people he was associating with. They didn't like the things he was saying about them and their religious perspectives. And so this guy invites him over his house because he wants to get Jesus, he wants to get him in, caught up in a little bit of a religious sparring. He wants to get him in a theological sparring match and see if he can trap Jesus and discredit him before his followers. So people are peeking in. It's like everybody knew that the, you know, the rabbi... The guy who's doing things nobody's ever done before is at the Pharisee's house. So they come and they gather around. People are peeking in the windows. People are staring and just like, what is he going to say? What is he going to do? Is he going to get it? Is, is this guy going to get him? And in walks, and you just picture pushing her way through the crowd. In walks this woman that Luke describes as Hamartolos. Hamartolos. Hamartolos is basically, the word literally in the Greek means sinful depraved, in other words, twisted, detestable, and especially wicked. The scholars, the, the scholars I read have all agreed that she was probably a local prostitute, a hooker. Here comes a woman with all those things. These, these, here's your name tag. Okay, you're new to church. You're, you're new to the community. Here's your name tag. Sinful, depraved, detestable, and especially wicked. Welcome. Uh, Come on in. You know, I mean, what would you do with that? What does church world do with that? What does religious world do with that? Hi, my name is. Uh, I'm, I'm depraved, detestable, twisted, especially wicked. What is your name? You want to know? Basically, the laundry list of wickedness was all over this woman, and everybody who knew her knew what she was. So the neighborhood hooker comes in uninvited to a Pharisee's house who wouldn't have gotten near her on the street in the first place. And now she's walked into his house uninvited. Awkward. I mean, have you ever been one of those awkward moments where you just kind of like, you know, you don't know what to do? I mean, some, this is kind of one of those moments, right? She comes walking in and immediately, I mean, everybody's thinking, whoa, wait, wait. She's walking over to Jesus. She's going to his feet. What is she doing? She's touching him. You were never touched by an unclean person or you would become unclean. You wouldn't let yourself get near a wicked person or you would be associated as wicked. This woman comes right up to Jesus and starts doing the most intimate, crazy thing in a public setting, weeping on his feet, washing his feet with her tears, drying them with her hair, and I'm telling you, I can just picture everybody in the room kind of just doing this. What the heck? I mean, think about those awkward moments. Lori and I were laughing this morning. I mean, you, you have them, where, where that guy catches you outside the grocery store and you couldn't turn fast enough or whatever, and you, you couldn't get your window up, and they're in your window, and they're like, hey, you know, I need this or whatever, and you're like, ah. And your friends are there, so you don't want to be rude, but you don't really want to do anything either, so... I mean, that moment. Or, or like we had a guy that came and worked at our house. And he was like, um, he was a hyper kind of uh, 
Pentecostal holiness guy, and basically nothing against that, but he was just his his way of interrelating with women was at a very great distance. And and he finished, and we were thanking him, and we're huggers, all right. I'm so sorry if that embarrasses you, but we hug. And and so I went in, I gave him a hug, said thank you, man. It was such a great work. You did such a good job. Lori goes into hug, and he sh- he like ah! he froze. And so he throws his shoulder in, puts one arm around, and puts his hand on her forehead. <laughs> Be healed. You know, I don't know if he's casting the demon out or what, but I mean, it was like so awkward. I'm like, you know, I mean, literally, it was like one of those, oh my gosh, I don't even, I wish I had a video of that. That was classic. Like, woman, be away from me, you know. I'm like, awkward. This embarrassing moment. People are wondering, wait a minute. She is so, like, friendly. Do they know each other? And how? Have they got some outside friendship that we should know about? Rabbi been spending a little extracurricular time with some of his friends? Wondering what Jesus would do. The Pharisee is like, this is unreal. This woman. And she's not going away. She's hanging around. How long would you have to cry to get somebody's feet wet? How deeply moved would you have to be to produce that much that many tears and then to pour her heart out through her tears into this moment of intimacy where she's weeping at the master's feet reaching down for her bottle of perfume costs her a year's wages breaks it open and begins to pour it on his feet and dry it with her hair i mean this is probably up there on the on the charts of really weird and ridiculous and embarrassing But friends, this is not a brief moment of discomfort that somebody faces when somebody comes and asks you for a favor or embarrasses you when you don't know how to hug. There's no smooth way out of this situation. This is a man's reputation that he spent his lifetime building and all of a sudden being put on the pinnacle of what will he do? How will he be, how will, will he automatically stand up? (gasps) I'm disgusted. Get away from me, you sinner. Will he distance himself from, oh, guys, you don't understand, but, you know, she's come for the waters of life, of course. What would he say to in, keep himself pure and separate himself from her wickedness at the same time? That's the kind of thing that would happen if you were another religious leader. But this woman's got a hold of Jesus' feet, and she's not letting go. She's not going anywhere. So what do you think Jesus does? What would you do in an awkward situation like that? Where some needy person breaks into your carefully protected little bubble and just puts themselves in need before you? What do you do when you get caught off guard and you just can't turn away? You can't get out of the situation? Well, here you have what Jesus did. Jesus tells a little story. He turns to Simon Peter, who is his right-hand guy, and he says, Hey, Peter, let me tell you a story. About two people that got into debt got into big debt and one of them owed a little debt, one of them owed a big debt and the master forgave both of them. Who do you think loved more? The one who was given the little debt forgiveness or the big debt? Well, the one who forgiven a lot. He goes, that's right. And he goes, and he tells us <clears throat> at the wrap up, therefore I tell you, he goes, you did not give me a kiss. Speaking, he turns to the Pharisee, you didn't give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put perfume on my or oil on my head, but she has 
poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. I just love this story. What Luke, the doctor, the physician, the he was very careful with his details, what he was beginning to say. Jesus, just after he finished the Sermon on the Mount, where this adrenaline-filled, this is the, way, the ways of God kind of sermon, where he had thousands of people saying, responding, you know, I want to I want in, I want to join, I want to be a part. That time where Jesus sets himself up and begins to preach and proclaim is followed by an experience like this, where he has this repentant call, call girl basically grabbing hold of what does he do? I'll tell you what your love and my love would probably do. When we come into something awkward and embarrassing that would somehow tarnish our reputation, we put a distance. We create some kind of explanation. We try and talk our way out of it. We try and help people understand, oh, no, not me. What did Jesus do? He didn't care a whit about his reputation or what people thought of him. He loved her back. In the way that only God could love, he looked her in the eyes. He said, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Your past is wiped clean. You are now a daughter of the Most High God. You are free. All that was said of you has been wiped away because before God, no matter what these people think, and you'll always have to live with people's thinking and reputation, you know, things that you... This is what I say of you. This is what God declares over you. Your sins are forgiven. You're free. Go live that. And I'm just loving this. And that's what I pray journey... Is that is our heart. That is my heart. That is what I want to be the center of our, of our whole thing here. That we are these kinds of people and we are this kind of church and we love this kind of way. Because honestly, for most of us, you ask us to love. Love like I have a carefully crafted little circle. Ask me to love my family. No problem. God, I'll give them everything I, have. I already do. Just give them everything, you know. Ask me to live, you know, love a little bit beyond that to some friends and maybe my neighbors. Yeah, I'll work at it. I'm not great yet, but I'll get there. Ask me to love people that I don't really like, that vote different, believe different, and talk different. People that don't like me. People that considered my enemies. Jesus said, that's where the difference comes. Followers of mine have been renewed in such a way that now there's space in their heart for those who don't like them, who hate them. Now there's room in their heart for grace to be extended to people who, who really don't deserve grace. Now there's room for love for this crying call girl. And he doesn't push her away, doesn't protect himself. It's over, you're forgiven. That's love. That's life-changing love. Imagine how she felt. Imagine, because, because honestly, some of us can remember the day or the time period when we were that person. And maybe our sins are different from hers. You could put the label on you, whatever you were, the adulterer, you were the liar, the porn addict, the drunk. What, what were you? The liar, the, the covetous person who always wanted somebody else's... Just go ahead and... The, you tell me what you were. No, don't tell me. You tell Jesus what you were. I don't even want to know. It doesn't matter. But you go ahead and you imagine. Remember how it felt for those of you. Like I grew up in the church world and I was good on the outside. I got really good at being good on the outside. But can I tell you what? My heart was not that good. The friends and I that we hung around with, we got into a lot of trouble, did some stuff that I'm really ashamed of. But you know what? I was really good at keeping secrets until I walked into the presence of God and I realized all my secrets were known already. 
There was no hiding and there was no just getting by. There was no pretending, there was no paying, there was no earning my way out of it. It was just me and God and what was I to do? I came to experience the love of God that was so freeing, so forgiving, so healing. I just had, I had to surrender my life to it. Folks, what about your moment? Do you recall what just, maybe it was a lifetime ago, so far ago that you, it's, it's become kind of just distant memory. But for those of you who can recall it, what was it like? <clears throat> the day you came to Christ in the middle of your shame, in the middle of your tears, and just said, I didn't know there was a way to live like this. I didn't know there was a love like this. I'm all in. You can have my life. I, I want to be a part of whatever you're doing. And Journey just happens to be the kind of church with lots of spectacular sinners in it. You might recognize some from places you've been in the world. I know them. Oh my gosh, they go to church? Thank God they go to this gathering. I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, Journey, if, if you... If you want to get out of here because, oh man, they accept anybody, then go ahead. Because if the repentant call girl didn't get a heart beating for something like this, I don't know what will. If your heart does not reflect Jesus' heart, well, there's probably churches that are a little bit uglier to people like this. I'll tell you what, I am people like this. My sin was not prostitution, but I had sold my heart to so many lesser loves and so many things I had done to people to harm them. I know how many things that can be racked up on the guilt list and I don't live with that guilt list any longer because of Jesus. And anybody who walks through these doors, I want them to know that your sins, as many as that you could call you, you could label yourself whatever you want, Jesus says, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. I just love that. I see your tears. I know your repentance is real. It's over. You're mine. You're forgiven. Your guilt, your shame, they're gone. I give you the gift of salvation. Friends, when I heard those words, I wasn't just overwhelmed with love for God. I just couldn't stand for others not to know it. I wanted everybody to hear it. The life that Jesus has on offer is unlike anything else. The love Jesus has is like nothing else. As I pondered this a little bit, and in rereading how Jesus treated the prostitute, I think, I want to be able to offer forgiveness even more in my life. I want to be a person who extends grace to anybody and everybody who comes looking. And it reminds me of a story. See, Jesus told another story. He told a story about a guy who had two sons. The younger of the two sons came to the dad one day and said, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. I, want, I, I wish you were dead, basically. I want my inheritance now. Whatever's coming to me one day, I want it now. And the Bible says that Jesus, the story goes that he gave, the father gave him it. The son went off and he said he lived as his life wild and furious and basically did everything you would expect for a person with lots of money and no responsibility. Destroyed basically his whole inheritance in a matter of time. He found himself broke, hungry, in a famine, yearning for the things he had once had. He thought about home and how his dad loved even his the workers in his fields even took care of the servants better than that. He said, man, if I could just go home and beg dad to not even just, I'll never ask for anything more than just to let me be one of the minimum wage workers. Let me just be like one of the servants. They live better than this. 
So he goes home and he said, but while he was still a long ways off, Jesus said that the father saw him. He gets up and he runs to his son. He throws his arm around him, begins to weep over him and says, the son who was lost has been found. My son who was dead has come to life. Tells the servants, hurry, kill the fatted calf. Go get him the coat. Get him the ring that shows that he's once more a son and the inheritance is returned to him. Go get him shoes for his feet. Tell him that this is his home now. We're going to celebrate and basically, this story ends with a crazy little story that we don't often get. We get that part, the heart of God towards people who come home to him. And by the way, these are people who come home. You can't force somebody to come home. But when somebody's ready to come, the woman who is ready to come, when they said, I want this new life, man, we better throw our arms open to those people. And that, that is the story. But here's the other story. The little closing story actually comes in where the older brother comes in and says to the father, what are you doing? This wicked son of yours has wasted all of that money and now you're throwing him a party. I've been here the whole time doing the right thing and you never once threw me a party for my friends. You didn't kill the fatted calf for me. I'm not going into that. I'm not going to celebrate. I'm not even going in the room. And the father begged him to come in and the son refused. The older brother refused to celebrate the renewal, the return, the healing of his younger brother. And can I just tell you that sometimes we focus on the love of God towards the younger, but we forget that the older brother is the temptation of most church people after we've been here a while to form a heart that basically says, I don't want to be a part of that. Life. I don't want to be around those kind of people. I don't care. I've been serving God all this time. Who are they to walk into the kingdom scot-free, be forgiven, and, and have the same inheritance as me? Who are they? Folks, I pray, I pray that I never get to be a part of a church that's an older brother church. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want my heart to be that way. And so for, for me, I can be very judgmental. I can have an older brother heart because I've worked very, very long and hard to, to walk more and more in the ways of Jesus. And sometimes, you know, you just kind of get, you just kind of get like where you look down on people who aren't trying as hard or whatever. I'm, I, I don't want to have a judgmental heart. So one of the things God has been giving me is, I, I mean, just the simple things like watching a TV show. I don't know why, but I just feel the need to commentate on that. And I give counseling and advice out loud to the people on TV. It's like, well, that idiot, if he just did this, you know, if he wouldn't cheat on her. And, and I just, and I've talked, and I can be very ugly. My heart still has these pockets of just old days. And I want to bring those to the light, and I want to bring those to Jesus, because I don't want to live like that. But the other thing is, not only has God been convicting me of my words of judgmentalism and harshness and just better than older brother stuff, he's been convicting me of my thinking, my thoughts of judgment. When I look at a person, I think, you lazy. When I think in my own mind that, oh, what if you would just, and if I were you, I would, I have been so convicted of the thoughts that actually begin that way in my own mind. And so one of the things I've had to begin doing is stopping every word that comes out in judgment or condemnation or somehow just putting another person down and stopping it. I'm not good at it all the time, but I'm telling you, I'm learning. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus who unleashes love, grace, and forgiveness. And now I'm actually catching thoughts before they even go any further than just a judgmental look at that person. I'm just like, oh man, surrendered and but for the grace of God, there go I. Lori and I were talking about this just today about early childhood trauma and all the studies that are revealing that kids that go through painful experiences in their childhood disproportionately 
have lives that brains get rewired for survival and for whatever other ways so that they disproportionately live lives of risky behaviors, damaging personal choices. They do things, they take risks, they take other things from other people, they use people, abuse people. These people who are abused become abusers and that's the pattern we are called to break, not to judge, but to break by introducing, right, by stepping in with love and grace and saying there's a better way. And we, we start with this, I mean, of course, Jesus is gonna jump in. If you come to him, he's gonna look at your laundry and say, okay, I'm gonna take you as you are. Now let's begin the process of renewing you and aligning you with the ways of life. This is how we live now. Let's walk a new way. But folks, you don't have to be the richest. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the coolest. You don't have to be the most together. You don't have to be the most successful. You don't have to be the prettiest. You just have to be the most loving to fit Jesus' qualifications for his family. Love like I love. That's your commandment. I'm betting the farm on this, folks. Spending the rest of my life pursuing this. I want to be this. I want to create followers, friends of Jesus, family members who are all about this. I want to surrender my life to this vision, to be a community of younger brothers who come home in brokenness and people who celebrate those coming home. I want to be a community of people who arm and employ everybody who comes here to live a new life, to equip them to go live the best life possible, to live the way of Jesus. And Journey, we're getting better at this. We're getting a little better every year. I'm so proud of you, and this is what I wanted you to know as we close out this series. This is good news. When you look at our community, as the band comes, as you look at our community right now, what do you see? Besides the drug abuse that we're known nationally for our, for our domestic abuse and violence, that we rank in the top of the nation for some of the worst things of all here in the Antelope Valley. Besides those things, because of those things, how much more does the gospel need to be presented, preached, and lived through people like us here than ever? How much more could Jesus give us than he's already given us? And it's an invitation now. Your life is free. You are forgiven. Now go bring freedom and forgiveness to others. How much more could we possibly need from Jesus? And my invitation is simple. My call is simple. First of all, man, have you received this incredible gift? Have you dedicated yourself to become a reproducer of this kind of love? Is it flowing into you so that it can flow out of you? It's got to go in first before it can come out. You've got to receive it before you can give it. Has your, your story been transformed by him? And if it has, have you, have you just gotten to the pattern of walking in a different way where you look at the world like Jesus looks at it, where you love like Jesus loves, where you just kind of say, God, I want to see it like you see it. And, I want to offer what you offer. And I, and I want to be in on this great thing you're doing in the world. The renewal of all things that's begun with Jesus and now is in me. I'm in. And whatever it means, I'm in. Lead me. I'm going to pray for you today. I'd like us to bow our heads and just make a, a prayer of surrender as we close out this series. And, and just between you and God, with your heads bowed, just do a quick assessment of where you're at in this. If Jesus were to analyze our lives and basically evaluate us on what he said was most important, 
How many of us could say, but we'd point to all the things, but God, I gave 10% of my income, plus. God, I, I went to church every Sunday, plus Wednesdays when I could. God, I did all these things. I sang the songs, and I raised my hands sometimes, and I, God, I did, I did, I did, but, but God would just bring it back to, but did you obey my commandment to love as I love? Did you unleash the kingdom in the world that you lived in? And if that's something you want, I just want to invite you to, to pray. And if this is your first experience, maybe that you want to step in, or today you've just come to the conclusion that it is for you, I want to pray with you. So as we pray, maybe a simple prayer from your heart to God. First surrender prayer would be, God, I give you my heart. I like the lady in the story. My sins are different, but I just open my heart. If it's true that I can fall and flat on my face and make a complete like humiliating idiot of myself and still be loved and still be welcomed and still be given trust and a place in your kingdom not just a place but a seat at the table and a voice that can be heard proclaiming that if I can be a part of your movement after all of that I want it God I ask you to forgive me like you did the woman I come to you seeking Renewal. I come to you seeking life. I come to you seeking forgiveness. And I come to you seeking a new way to live. And I will realign my life with yours. I will, I will do my best by your power and leading to, to walk in line with your spirit. To show me. And I, and I will learn, Lord. I'll fail, but, but I, I count on your grace to continue to lead me. I receive that today. Because of Jesus, I now step into life that's you i would just raise your hand for i, I don't want for anybody else just between you and i awesome anyone else just i'm stepping in today praise god you are the reason we exist and for those of you who want to pray a simple prayer that goes on god i want to give my life to this i want to be like that i want to reproduce that and i want to be in the way so that others can see it and be drawn to it i renew my desire to walk with you like that renew my heart Jesus name. Amen. Folks, let's just welcome our new family members today. Let's just welcome those who come. We love you. We want to learn to love you all well and to lead you well. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to pick it up next week from here. Let's stand one last song of worship before we go out. Let's sing together.
Thank you for joining us, church. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.